This is the Santita Jackson Show. everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. No, it's not a recording. I am back. Santita Jackson here on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. That's my printer you hear in the background, me pulling up news for you. I'm so glad to be with you today. It's been a while. It's been a while. I have to tell you, I um, am really glad to be with you today. I'm really, really glad to be with you today. We're going to bring the camera back up here, and um, so we can get back, so we can get back to my Streamyard and Facebook connection. Hey, everybody! I'm calling, saying hey to everyone. AM AM nine fifty radio in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and WCPT here in Chicago. It's been a joy. Uh, getting a little rest, but actually I went away to get some medical tests. You know, it, in this post-COVID world, uh, it's not as easy to get medical tests as it has been in the past. I mean, now you can, you might need a test, and it's very distressing to, to see this, but you might need a test for anything, um, and it takes you months to get the test. So what I decided to do was get waitlisted, and when you get waitlisted, and they call you. You need to run and do it. And I had back to back to back to back. In fact, I have a couple more today. Just taking care of my health. No worries. So I hope that you will do the same thing. Everyone, all of these little things that we kind of went past over the past two, three years, please start getting your test. Ladies, you know the test you need to take. Men, you know the test you need to take. And maybe that one day I'll need to come up on the air and we need to talk about getting your prostate exam, getting your mammograms, um, and all of these other tests that you need to take just to make sure that your body is in working order. So, you know, and in my post-COVID life, I'm seeing some things that kind of make me go, hmm, right? So uh, I'm glad, I'm grateful that I have health care, and I'm grateful that I can go get those tests, and I thank you, WCPT and AM 950 Radio, for giving me the space to do that. So let's get right to it, everybody. It is Monday, December 5th, 2022, and we've got a lot to talk about today. Of course, the Georgia Senate runoff is tomorrow. I'm getting um, feedback, getting an echo. So let's work that out. All right, we got it. And so we got to talk about that today. Why is it that private private uh, kids who go to private colleges are not able to use their ID. Think about that. They're not able to use their ID. Uh, but if you go to Georgia State, if you're University of Georgia, if you're a bulldog like Herschel Walker was, well, then you can use that ID. But if you go to the, the black schools, the HBCUs, which are private institutions by and large, you can't use your ID there. We looked at more than 1.85 million people who have voted in this compressed election cycle, which has racist roots. We're going to be talking about that today. What's happening in Georgia? Greg Palast, our dear friend, is going to be with us. His movie, Vigilante, Vigilante the movie, is up and it is free. And guess who did it? Well, it's not free. It is you don't have to pay for it at this time. Jamie Foxx, who is from Texas... Uh, yes, that Jamie Foxx said when he saw the movie, he said, this reminds me of what I dealt with when I was growing up in Texas. I want everyone who can. I want them to be able to see the movie. So he used um, his earnings to make sure that you can see it. So go to GregPalast.com, GregPalast.com, 
and link to it or go to Vigilante the movie and link to it. You will be able to see it without charge. Now, the reason I'm very careful about that is because freedom is not free. My father often says that you can't ride to freedom on Pharaoh's chariot. So I'm not going to say that it's free because it's not. Jamie Foxx is paying for you to have the opportunity to see it without cost to you. How about that? And you need to see it. You need to know that Georgia, when it became part, when it was about to become part of the United States, was a free territory. And the first family to introduce slavery into Georgia was Brian Kemp's family. They are a very, very, very wealthy and powerful family. You should know that. This movie's investigation, for example, gave you that. And they show you all of these examples of voter suppression. And we're going to be talking about that today with Greg Palast with DeKalb County Commissioner Larry Johnson and, of course, with Aaron Connolly and Daryl Jones. And Daryl Jones and Barbara Arnwine are in Georgia. So really, we've got a lot to talk about today. And, of course, we're going to be talking about our health with Dr. Shanita Knighton and going to get a good word from Pamela Morris Walton, our gospel sister, that brilliant, brilliant woman of God. Everybody, let's get to some of these headlines. 43 degrees. In Chicago, that will be the high, cloudy. 29 degrees will be behind Minneapolis-St. Paul in the NFL. The Bears keep breaking my heart. The Packers 28, the Bears 19. But hope springs eternal in the breast of the Chicago Bears fans next year. Vikings 27, the Jets 22 in the NBA. The Kings 110, the Bulls 101. And... In the NHL, the Wild 6, the Stars 5, and, well, Chicago was shut out by the Islanders 3-0. to zero. And in the World Cup, oh, the USA team, Team USA, went down fighting to the Netherlands 3-1 to one on Saturday. But, boy, they put up a great fight, and they're one of the youngest teams in the World Cup um, system. So, you know, good for them, good for them. And so we'll see what's going to happen when the World Cup goes to, guess where, Atlanta. I can't wait, everybody. In the meantime, Japan will be playing Croatia today, and Brazil will be playing South Korea. So much love to the beloved, iconic Pele, who's been battling cancer. There was a rumor that his cancer had really was really having him struggle, having him struggle. And so the whole world, there was an outpouring of love over the past weekend. And he said, no, no, I want you all to keep fighting. But he has been struggling, and we pray for Pele. He is really the Michael Jordan, if you will, of Soccer, of soccer. When we didn't see black people in soccer, that's where we we saw him. And uh, he's the best you've ever done it, everybody. Pele, sending him much love. Everybody, let's get to a few things that are in the headlines. Aside from the Georgia primary, everybody, more than 30,000 customers in North Carolina remain without power this morning because there was a power grid attack. Two substations were damaged by gunfire over the weekend. I wonder what that was about. The power outages are believed to have been caused by, quote, intentional and targeted, close quote, attacks on substations that left 40,000 customers in the dark. 10,000 have had their power restored. Georgia will hold the Senate runoff. We'll be talking about that today. What do you think about that? I want you to call me at 773 763 9278. 773-763-9278. Who you got? Do you think Senator Warnock is going to hold out and win? Do you think that Herschel Walker's got a shot? Well, it's a tighter than this race, everybody. And remember, there was a libertarian in the race. Libertarian skew to, skew to the right. And the libertarian has refused to support either candidate. 
what do you think is going to happen, everybody? Lava from the ongoing Mauna Loa volcanic eruption is about two miles from reaching a crucial highway on Hawaii's Big Island, according to an update from the U.S. Geological Survey. The lava is just miles from potentially causing major disruptions to the Daniel K. Inouye Highway. You remember the great senator from the great state of of Hawaii, but experts say it's it's unlikely uh, that there will be any attempts made to redirect the lava. We will see what's going to happen, praying for our brothers and sisters in Hawaii today. Former President Donald Trump called for the termination of the Constitution to overturn the 2020 election and reinstate him to power on Saturday. Trump made this post on his Truth Social commentary, uh, his, his site, uh, accusing big tech of work, big tech of working closely with Democrats to uh, to the release of internal Twitter emails. There has been a Hunter Biden story that has been out here for a long time, and uh, Matt Taibbi, brilliant journalist, um, said, "You know, it seems that big tech has put its thumb on the scales in terms of suppressing that story." in the run-up to the 2020 election. That is very disturbing. We'll be talking about that this week uh, because that's really not a partisan issue, everyone. If you notice, when you are on uh, Pamela Walton, uh, Pamela Morris Walton, excuse me, when you're online, you can get... You can get put in. You can get your account suspended by Twitter. You can be. Um, you can be banned for a while. You can get put in Facebook jail. All these things, but you see that these private companies really, quite frankly, and I've I've felt it, that they really are not fair. This is a public utility, but they're privately owned, and I think we need to we need to look at that. Rokana made a statement in. Um, in support of that, he said, no, this is something that we should be concerned about. So those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson show. Let us get some good news from Pamela oh, Morris Walton, the birthday girl who's about to leave the country with her beloved. He's taking her away so that she can celebrate her birthday properly. And I am loving it. I am here for all of it. You deserve it, girl. My, my, my sister and mentor. Almost like an auntie. I love you, Pamela Morris. Walton. I love you. And of course, I love you. She is our gospel sister. She's been with us for so long. And you know, I really, when you get back, maybe this will be a good, great way to begin the year. I want you to talk about your heart transplant. Of course, she's the author of a book, 57 Days Wait for a New Heart. Mm -hmm. Many of us are afraid. Of looking, of, of looking at getting a transplant. Many of us are afraid of becoming donors. And we need to talk about that, particularly in the black community where we have been, we've been abused, we've been experimented on. So I understand that. But it was someone's heart that saved your life. And, um, and I know any number of transplant recipients, and um, I just thank God for you. And boy, you look fabulous. <laughs> one would never know it. So, thank you. You're too kind. Never You're know too it. Thank you. Thank no, I mean, gorgeous you. woman anyway, but you never know that she had this struggle. But God oh bless you. God. Let's get some good news today. All right. Thank you so very much. And God bless you. And welcome back. And we must take care of ourselves. Our health is important. We must take care of ourselves. And good morning, everybody. Um, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and in the living, uh, New Living Translation, it says in the tenth verse, a final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. The final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. And then if you go down 
to the 15th verse. Now, notice I said the 15th verse. It says in the New Living Translation, for shoes, shoes, everybody, S-H-O-E-S, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Today, this morning, I want to speak to you briefly on put on your shoes. Put on your shoes. In the scripture, especially in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the Apostle Paul tells us all to put on the whole armor of God. Not some of it, not a little bit of it, but put on the whole armor of God. And one of the pieces of that armor is the shoes of peace. Peace, everybody. It is interesting that God chose our feet for peace. That implies to me that everywhere we go, we're going to have to choose. We are going to have to choose to stay in peace. You can have on your helmet of salvation, your shield of faith, and your belt of truth, but you don't if you don't put on your shoes of peace, if you don't do that, it's not effective because you must put on your shoes of peace. It's not effective without peace. Every morning, every morning, everybody, you need to make sure you put on your shoes of peace. When you make the decision at the start of the day that nothing, nothing is going to upset you, nothing is going to change how you should be. You're saying, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I know you're directing my steps. Even if things don't go perfectly today, I believe all things are going to work out for my good. And the next time, the next time you're tempted to be to, to, to be offended or recognize what's happening and, 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 and you don't take that bait. When someone says something that isn't kind, in a world where you can be anything, let's just be kind. But when someone says something that is derogatory, instead of, of being kind to you, ignore them. Just ignore them. I'm asking you this morning to protect your peace. If you do this, I believe, I believe, Pam, I believe that I declare you're not only going to enjoy your life more, but God is going to take care of you of what's coming up against you at any moment, at any time of the day. He's going to vindicate you, promote you, and take you to the new level of your destiny, of your destiny. So my request this morning to all of us, is to put on your shoes the whole armor of God. Thank you, Santita, and God bless you all. Happy holidays. Pamela Morris Walton, our gospel sister, the author of the book, 57 Days, Wait for a New Heart. Get that book. It will bless you. She's going to be... uh, We'll see you next Monday. Cannot wait to do that uh, before you get away for your birthday. (laughs) 
My dear sister, (laughs) let me bring on Dr. Shanita Knight, brilliant infection preventionist, registered nurse, college lecturer, wife, mom. She does it all, everybody. And she's the executive director of the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology, their new research practice and innovation center. We're so glad that she's with us today. Came across a story last night, had to reach out to you. Was it last night or was it early this morning? This lax approach that we have to COVID-19 could create a deadly strain according to the World Health Organization and that did not surprise you. What's going on? Good morning, Santita. How are you? Sending you much love. Awesome. So no, it doesn't surprise me. Um, For one, I, and this is not coming from a bad place, but it's coming from a real place. The World Health Organization also said that we cannot vaccine, we cannot vaccinate our way out of the pandemic. And that was one of the things that was most profound. And so we have to understand that just how I mentioned in previous shows that with the flu vaccine, the flu vaccine is typically a predictor of what it is we are anticipating for the upcoming flu season. Well, right now we don't have any predictors in regards to COVID. So anytime, let's say, a new formula has come out, it is with the understanding that we think we understand how fast this virus is mutating when, in fact, we are not able to keep up with it. Hence, which is why the efficacy or the effectiveness, rather, of the vaccinations has started to wax and wane and greatly decrease because we recognize that we're not fighting the same bug that we were fighting in 2020 And then even though new formulations have come out, we're still continuing to do the same thing in terms of adjust, but we haven't even figured out what the correct formula is in order for us to be able to get a control of the pandemic. Well, I'll tell you what is the correct formula as we know it based off of previous illnesses. That is doing a combination of these efforts. If we put just as much effort on infection prevention and control practices as we do trying to get people vaccinated, then we can potentially slow down the transmission risk that is occurring every time we get a new strain of COVID-19. What is happening is, is if, for example, this person gets sick and then they build up a tolerance to the vaccine because we're not practicing preventative measures, then that continues to happen. It continues to mutate and it continues to move around. So when I mention hand hygiene being important, that goes into the equation. Also, mask etiquette. When I say mask etiquette, it's not just about wearing the mask. It's about making sure that you are cleaning your hands before, cleaning your hands after. And if you do have to cough, sneeze, or say it's not a cough, but it's still something, you should still be covering your mouth, or your nose in the crevice of your elbow. Unfortunately, we still should be practicing these preventative measures, and that is what's not happening. And so just as we've seen, the vaccine does not stop transmission, which means that our hands can still be a culprit, the environmental surfaces can still be a culprit, as ways in which we can transmit the actual virus. And when I say environment, I'm talking about surfaces as well as I'm talking about air because droplets can be sneezed into the air and stay suspended in the air in tiny particles. 
So these are some preventative measures that we should be taking. And to your point, no, it does not surprise me because we don't put enough emphasis on those practices as well as make sure that not only are people doing them, but they're doing them correctly. Hmm. In this, uh, well, you know, people have gone past COVID and just about everything else. What do you recommend that we do now? I've got about a minute. I mean, should people still be masking or just what should we, how should we conduct ourselves? I would say we all need to dig deep back into what it is that we were doing before we had a vaccine where, no, we were not all able to stay at home, but we were all more vigilant about our hand hygiene practices. We were vigilant about the company that we kept, meaning everyone wasn't allowed over. You had to scream just to make sure that you weren't around someone that was going to be sick. If you are the person that's not feeling well, meaning that you absolutely know that you are sick, then you shouldn't be around others. And those are some of the basic things that we can do. And so I always emphasize to people, diet is also important. It is not just because it is cold outside that people get sick. This is the time of year of where our bodies are loaded down with sugar and 75 grams of sugar. Studies show that 75 grams of sugar lowers your immune system for five hours. So imagine if you are constantly compounding your body with sugar. Your immune system is getting lower, lower, and lower. So you have to make sure that you're positioning yourself to make sure that you can fight off the germs by making sure that you are putting your body in the best position. Okay. Okay, everybody, please take care of yourselves. That's why I took that time to take my test, and it's helped me to get queued up about some things that I absolutely need to do. Hey, Dr. Nina, at Hey, Dr. Nina, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. Follow her on social media. You're going to get a lot of great information. She might even step for you, my soror. Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I want you to like and share, everybody. We're over here on YouTube on the Santita Jackson Show channel. Please like and share, like and share, and meet me on Twitter at... Santita J at Santita J. It's so strange. I've like lost a hundred followers over the past week, <laughs> but I keep and but I'm getting more. It's just uh, algorithms are crazy, right? <laughs> but please like me on on Twitter and join me on Twitter and meet me over on Facebook on the Santita Jackson and Friends page. The Santita Jackson page is just a landing page. I can't take any more people over there. And, in fact, they're kicking people off. That is not my doing. That is Facebook's policy. I don't understand it, but that's how they do it. So if you would, if you want to meet me on Facebook, please go over to the Santita Jackson and Friends page. I want to send a special shout-out to the Midwest chapter of the Emmys. They gave Reverend Jesse Jackson, our father, a, a Lifetime Achievement Award on Saturday night. We had a great time. If you go to my Santita Jackson and Friends page, you'll see most of our family there. We were able to get out. I couldn't believe it. My mother came out. What? <laughs> 
she doesn't normally do that sort of thing, but she was there, and it was it was a wonderful, wonderful evening, and we want to thank Miss Kathy and everyone uh, at the Chicago chapter, which really covers the whole Midwest, saw Jim Rose and so many of our people there, Donna Miller, oh boy, it was just great, it was Dion, I love you, love you, love you, it was great seeing everybody over there, AJ, extra hair, hairstylist to the stars. So many people we got a chance to see. It was just great seeing you, and thank you for that wonderful honor and a wonderful picture. Wonderful picture they were able to capture. Thank you, Alana Joy Ford, for capturing a wonderful picture of me and my siblings and our parents. So let's get right to it, everybody. We've got celebrations by us. All right, Chaparro, let's get this food cranking. As you know, I'm, yes, I mean, I'm here for it. <laughs> i got to get my <laughs> Christmas order in. Yes, Santita. And we have about probably about six more slots for Christmas because we have a lot of corporate orders this year. So give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We can handle all your Christmas hams, your turkeys, your dressing, your mac and cheese, your uh, cheesecakes, your banana pudding, your peach cobbler, your caramel cakes, your your red velvet cake, whatever it is that you need for your holiday table, don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. All right, all right. Celebrations by us. And by the way, for the record, my friends and I loved, we had a special celebration for a friend of mine who actually made her transition. Broke my heart, but she went out the right way. She would not let anyone touch her ham hocks. <laughs> she wanted the ham hocks first. So we had, to pull, we had to pull them out the pot. And so thank you so much for that. And thank you for that wonderful gift from my beloved dear sister friend, my fellow Howardite, who made her transition over the holidays. Hey, everybody, let's talk about Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Georgia's on our mind. I hear Ray Charles. I hear the midnight train to Georgia. I hear it all. I'm here for it. 1.85 million Georgians voted in this compressed uh, runoff cycle in this Senate race. It means so much. It is not of inconsequence. Everyone continues to say, oh, the Democrats have a majority. They kept the majority. Oh, no, 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 no. This one seat means so much. It will determine uh, the strength that Democrats have on the committees. You will not continue to lean on uh, the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, which will free her up to travel, right, and see the country and um, and make some more friends. I mean, it's important. This is This means that mansion and cinema... A whole lot of air will be taken out of their balloons. There's just a lot going on. This kind of quasi-power sharing arrangement that Senators Schumer and McConnell have had will be ended if Raphael Warnock is able to retain his seat in the U.S. Senate. We have to be mindful of the fact that this is a Republican state. We have to be mindful of the fact in the, that in the aftermath of the Warnock win, the laws were changed that would thwart him from winning this particular seat this time. So we've got to talk about that. We've got to talk about what's going on down there on the ground. But first, we're going to talk about how the law was changed, what it allows you to do, what it doesn't allow you to do. Indeed, we've got Attorney Aaron Connolly, political organizer. Um, I just can't wait to hear your thoughts about this because this is 
you know, you were campaigning in in Pennsylvania. We've had all of these consequential uh, races on the line, and you've been a part of the organizing and on them, and you've gotten a chance to see people on the ground. And, of course, Transformative Justice Coalition Chair, Attorney Daryl Jones. And while you have been touring, you have been bumping into people who have been listening to the Santita Jackson Show, your fans. Yay! That's accurate, Santita. You know, it, it's it's always uh, interesting to, to run into people that, that while we're on the ground here in Georgia that have been uh, saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." I listen to you guys in the morning. So it's uh, just just wonderful to, to have those opportunities and uh, to meet the people, uh, you know, person to person, as opposed to uh, them just hearing uh, our voices and, and as we're on the on the air. So that was very exciting. Well, it's wonderful because we're going to really work on to getting you on screen in the coming year so that people can see your handsome face and see the beautiful Aaron, who during Halloween dresses up as the gorgeous witch. Oh, boy. Aaron, come on. Remember 2019, the party? Did we not have fun? She came in with these red lips and this black outfit. I was like, is she on the runway or is this a costume? I don't Okay, well, never mind. I'm not mad because she was looking fabulous. That having been said, talk to us about Georgia. First of all, uh, 1.85 million people as of Saturday had voted while breaking all kinds of records. It'll be close to 2 million by the time we look at the rest of the people who were able to vote early. Um, Let's establish this. Raphael Warnock, Warnock was able to get a big share of his votes from the absentee ballots. And so um, there's that. And um, early voting played a key role in his win and in John Ossoff's win. But a lot of that's been upended with this new law enacted, uh, crafted by the Republicans, Brian Kemp and the legislature, signed into law. Talk to us about what you what you could what you could not do in this 2022 um Runoff that you that you could have done in 2020, like souls oh, to the sure. polls, like people couldn't vote yesterday. Absolutely, you know, Santa, you know, there are a lot of things that happened following the 2020 uh, election, where both uh, senators uh, Warnock and uh, and also uh, won uh, here in the state of Georgia, and and uh, what the focus then became was how to restrict access to the ability of uh, young voters and voters of color and seniors to be able to access the ballot easily to be able to vote. And so as a result of that, you know, we ended up seeing uh, drop boxes uh, begin to disappear. They limited the number of drop boxes that would be available uh, for the voters to be able to access. They limited uh, as well the hours. So they made the drop boxes uh, less accessible. They're only uh, accessible during the hours that the Board of Elections is open. And, and then they move them inside so that they are not outside and available 24 hours a day. They move them inside to, a, inside to uh, many secure buildings so that they'll be locked away and no one will be able to access those, those uh, drop boxes. All of that was a result of the Senate Bill uh, 202. But, you know, it, it went even uh, uh, beyond that because, you know, one of the things that the Senate Bill did is that particularly for the runoff elections that we're here for now in the state of Georgia – uh, rather than having the nine-week window uh, that was in place in 2020, it restricted it to a uh, to uh, uh, just about a 28-day uh, window from nine weeks down to four in this particular situation. And in doing that, uh, what then happened is that because there were fewer than 30 days available to 
runoff election, it disabled anyone uh, who was not registered from being able to get registered because you had to be registered 30 days before an election in order to be able to vote here in the state of Georgia. So that then was lost. So the, the, the universe of available voters were only those voters who were registered to vote prior to November the 7th and participate now in what is going to be uh, the, the last day of voting uh, tomorrow here in the state of Georgia on December the 6th. Those are some of the things that, uh, that this bill ended up doing. You know, one of the other things that it did is that it made uh, voting by mail more difficult uh, by requiring that in order to request the absentee ballot or the vote by mail ballot, uh, folks had to have a copy of their driver's license or identification that they would submit with the absentee ballot request. Once it was then sent out to the person, be it a senior or a student or what have you, they then would uh, have the, the ballot, they'd be able to fill it out, but in returning the ballot, they had to submit again a copy of their identification. And you know, while that doesn't sound burdensome, uh, if you are a senior, if you are a person of limited means, limited access, and you don't have a, a copy or to make a copy of your uh, of your of your identification, or if you're uh, you know a person with a disability that doesn't have the access to that, that's making it more difficult. So those are some of the things. Uh, that the state of Georgia did in Senate Bill, uh, Georgia Senate Bill 202, to make it more difficult for voters to access the ballot. Now, uh, Secretary of State uh, Rappersberger and, and uh, Brian Kemp, the governor here, are, are you know trying to say, oh, look, you know, we're having record turnouts. We're, you're seeing uh, these records being broken all these different days in the state of Georgia. Uh, there's not a problem at all with voter access. We've made it more secure and, uh, and making it more secure. We're also have increased... Uh, the voter turnout. But that's not exactly accurate because what has happened is that you've gone from, you know, a, a much larger number of available days to early voting to really just five days and two other days that are permissible depending upon whether or not counties want to have them. And what I mean by that is Monday through Friday for early voting here in the state of Georgia was mandatory. All of the over 100 counties had to participate in the five days of mandatory early voting, and they could select their outs. The Saturday uh, of early voting, because of the, uh, the Senate bill and laws in Georgia, originally the Saturday early voting in Georgia was not going to happen because uh, the available Saturday voting occurred two days after Thanksgiving and one day after uh, state holiday, which was a celebration of Robert E. Lee Day. And so... Uh, so the Secretary of State's office said there's not going to be Saturday voting. But there will only be one poll to the soul, uh, to the poll Sunday, which would be uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. All of that is a result of the Senate Bill 202. So uh, the uh, ACLU and many other uh, uh, plaintiffs sued the state of Georgia and, and uh, Secretary of, uh, of State Raffersberger with regards to the Saturday voting. And they ended up, uh, you know, the, the Supreme Court here ended up siding with the plaintiffs. And that's what forced that one Saturday of, of early voting that they've had here in the state. And it's not mandatory, right? It's up to the, the counties to decide whether or not they want it to, to have it. And so when they speak of the record numbers on that Saturday, now, you know, uh, Rappersberger and Kemper trying to take, 
uh, credit for it. It was the Saturday of early voting that they were fighting against. And it was the only Saturday that was available to people. That's why the records were broken. So if you're a working person that works nine to five and you had the weekends off, that Saturday was your only available Saturday. That's why record numbers came to the state of Georgia. And it's having its intended consequence, Senate Bill 202, because it is suppressing people because it's limiting their access and their ability to be able to get to the polls. That's why you're hearing about hours-long wait of people in line. And if you're a person that doesn't have uh, two, three, or more hours to be able to wait in line to vote, you're not going to be able to do it. And now, as Tuesday comes around, the concern is they're expecting, you know, at least in, in many parts of Georgia, in the Atlanta area in particular, a lot of rain and bad weather. Uh, and if you're going to have the long hours, you're going to creating a situation where you're limiting people's access and their options to be able to access their, their ability to vote. That's that's sort of an overview, I think, Cynthia, of, of what the Senate Bill 202 has done to this election that's going on in this runoff uh, for tomorrow. Attorney Aaron Connolly, why should we be concerned about this in Illinois, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, in Maine, where they're restricting access to the vote? I mean, because many of us think that this restriction of access to the vote is just happening in the South. And while we're, I'm going to excited. We're going to have. We'll be. Uh, Greg Palast will be joining us at the top of the hour with his. As we encourage everyone to look at the movie, and you don't have to pay for it right now. Vigilante, the movie. Go to gregpalast.com so that you so that you can see this movie. I mean, and the movie is stunning. Um, but we see it from the southern perspective. But. Reverend Frank Watkins, God rest his soul, brilliant political scientist um, and organizer uh, who joined us for so many, so many years on this show and on the Keep Open Alive show, you know, said there has been a southernization of of American politics. And we need to be mindful of that. Um, just restricting access, which is the original idea, <laughs> Aaron. I mean, it's the original idea. The original and, idea of the republic mm-hmm. was not for everybody to vote, and we're seeing that. It's like we're still pushing back against that, Aaron. Everywhere. We absolutely are. And what we saw with the removal of enforcement of provisions of the Voting Rights Act, the states in question were not just in the South. Arizona was a key state uh, that needed uh, monitoring. And when we we saw that repealed by our Supreme Court, the restrictive uh, voting practices in Arizona resumed. And anyone who, who has worked an election in this country understands the importance of souls to the polls. If you've been an organizer, you know that that Sunday is a big deal. It's a big part of your GOTV outreach. No matter what state you're in, Arizona has a very small African-American population. But that Sunday, that was the day. Um, that all of the churches, all of the organizations would come out. And not only was it important for voting, but it was a great organizing event. It was a community event. It was a party. It was a celebration of democracy. When limits are placed on weekend voting, it really attacks working class folks who don't have the flexibility in their schedule to take advantage of some of these early voting days or have election day off, right? So a big way we stop voter suppression is to make Election Day, a national holiday. Many states, Illinois, for example, um, closed their government offices and many schools were closed this year on Election Day. And we saw a higher turnout on Election Day as a result. If there's a place in this country where there are lines, 
longer than 15 minutes, there is voter suppression in some way, whether that's limiting drop boxes, whether that's reducing precincts in certain neighborhoods, and we all know what those neighborhoods tend to be, whether that's not properly staffing the locations and understanding what is necessary to facilitate a full vote in their community. Those are examples of voter suppression. And I know Greg Palace will, will discuss that. But what we saw in Arizona specifically, even in 2020, was many of those precincts in Latino neighborhoods and African-American neighborhoods were closed and consolidated. The hours were reduced. The drop boxes were reduced. And it became more difficult, even in a state where you have a long term early voting system, it made it a lot harder for specific communities to vote. Those places, the precincts that were open were understaffed. There were long lines that dissuade folks from from voting. Um, if you have an hour and the line is three and you have to get back to work to make sure you don't get fired, most people are going to go back to work. That's just the reality of the situation. So we need to do more to expand access. Places like Illinois, for example, where um, our good friend, uh, Trevor Tejeda Gervais and Rainbow mm-hmm. Push Coalition and Just Democracy help lead the charge for same-day voter registration or automatic voter registration. What we can do in Illinois under our new Secretary of State would be to fully implement that automatic voter registration process and ensure everybody that interacts with government has that is automatically registered to vote at the same time. So if you move, you change your driver's license, you do anything related to state government, your voter registration is updated and you are an eligible voter. That should be everywhere in the country. And we need to have same-day voter registration. We would have new voters in Georgia eligible to register to vote even tomorrow, right? And that changes the game. It, it changes the whole process when people know, let's say somebody moved in between Election Day and now. They can't legally vote because they can't change their voter registration and participate in the process. And that is voter suppression, period. Mm. But, you know, you came across a story, Daryl, that was just heartbreaking. And I know it's been replicated time after time after time. When we think of the 1.4 million at least voters who were were put back on the rolls in, in Florida by the voters of Florida, Republican and Democrat. And yet the Republican legislature has fought to pull them off of the voting rolls. You, you met a young man who had served his time, and he's now out a functioning member of society. What happened? You sent me that, that video, and it, just, it was heartbreaking. Oh, my goodness. Can I say to you that, you know, uh, we were in uh, Brunswick in Glen County, uh, yesterday, and we were motivating, going through uh, the poor uh, African American and brown communities to encourage voters to come out. And there was a, a young brother that was uh, sitting on his porch uh, and had his kids around him, uh, you know, all of his family, and you know, in very poor condition uh, of the home, just just you know, making just making it by. And we had food that we were giving out, so people weren't in lines. We're not violating Georgia law. Having food that we were giving out, some extra food, and we brought him some food and asked him if they were hungry. And he said, absolutely. We engaged him in conversation. We asked him about his voting. Was he going to vote? And his indication, Santita, was that he was what he called, had an F on his report card, meaning that he had a felony on his record. And because he had the F on his report card, that he could not vote. He would not be able to vote in the state of Georgia, is what he was saying, because of his felony. So I engaged him in the conversation. 
And what we came to learn was that uh, he had a felony on his record, that he had served his time, paid his fines, he was off of what we call the papers, he wasn't on parole or probation. So he was actually eligible to be able to vote. But because Georgia does not have same-day voter registration, he could not vote in this runoff election. And he was so happy to learn that he could vote and so upset to uh, learn that no one had told him that he could vote, that he could participate in the electoral process. It was a mixed bag of reactions. I felt so sorry for him, but so good for him. So his determination from there was that he was going to go and register to vote and understood that he could not participate in this runoff election and was really bothered because he couldn't exercise that right to vote and wished that he had known previously because he would have been voting prior to that. So it, it was very upsetting, but it was, it was uplifting and upsetting. It was just a, a mixed bag with regards to that. And it lets, you know, lets us know, you know, even in the state of Florida, the importance of uh, being certain that people know their rights and, their, and when their rights to uh, vote have been restored for those that are returning uh, into the general population of our society from, uh, from, uh, from felony uh, incarceration, felony conviction. Thank you. You know, and that is why we have to have you, uh, Attorney Daryl Jones, you, Attorney Aaron Connolly, and Attorney Barbara Arnwine, and Attorney Robert Patillo, and Attorney C.K. Hoffler. We need our lawyers in the community because we have seen people arrested and put in jail because they voted illegally. They had served their time. They were told, you know, now that you've served your time, you are able to vote. And they were told by the, they were told that by the judges at the polls. And it is stunning to me that the judges, well, first of all, that they went to prison, but the judges are not held to account. I mean, and these judges mean well, but they don't know electoral law for the most part, Attorney Daryl Jones. They don't. So when you get there, they help you to move the touch the screen. That's, that's what they do. That's what they do. That's what they do. i got 30 seconds, Daryl. And of course, you and Attorney Arnwine will be on WOL tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. They're in Georgia, but they will be doing their radio show. And so, 30 seconds for you. And you're absolutely right, you know, Santina. One of the things that, that, that we're pushing for is that when people are encountering the court system and they're being uh, convicted of felonies or any crime uh, in our court system, that the same way that they read them and tell them their sentence and they tell them their period of probation, there should be something in writing on those sheets to tell them when their voting rights are restored. Mm -hmm. You know, the probation officers need to know the voting rights when they're restored, same way they tell them everything else, tell them this is when their voting rights are restored. You know, that, that's a large part of this push, is that people just need to know. It's the absence of knowledge that creates the, the dearth and the, the lack of, of power that are within those that are returning citizens. So we need to be certain that they're informed, that their lights are turned on, so that they know exactly when their voting power is back, so they can vote for uh, things to help them uh, in society. The, the last piece of that, I'll really quick, was that one of the things that was really heartbreaking with the young man that we saw in Brunswick that didn't know that his voting rights were restored were all the kids that he had. He had maybe four or five kids that were in mm -hmm. the home with him in a dilapidated condition. And, and they're listening to the conversation. And, you know, it's just all the empowerment that he could have for his family as he moves forward. It, it's but he got really it. Heartbreaking situation.
No, no, no. But the beauty is they saw their father talking to you. You don't know. You might have gotten a new lawyer out of there. We don't know how God is going to work this out. We do not know. <laughs> it happened to my dad. I'll never let it happen to anyone else. Greg Palast, everybody. VigilanteMovie.com. VigilanteMovie.com. See it while you can. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, Santita Jackson here on the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. AM 950 Radio, the voice of Progressive Minnesota. Call us at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278 as we talk about the Georgia Senate runoff that is tomorrow. Greg Palast, yes, is with us right now. You can watch, without charge, Vigilante. His movie on the corruption in this voting process, the voter suppression in Georgia right now, the the voter suppression and the voter corruption that is coming to a city and state near you. It's in Maine. (laughs) Most black folks don't. Most of their population is not black, but it is young and they do have college students. They don't want them to vote. This is happening everywhere, everybody. This application that we see in Georgia can be placed on top of any state and it is being top being there are attempts to thwart your ability to vote from coast to coast in all the territories got to talk about that with greg palast here on the santita jackson show everybody like and share like and share please go to youtube the santita jackson show channel like and share go to the santita jackson and friends page like and share not the santita jackson page the santita jackson and friends page meet me on twitter at santita j at santita j i also have the santita jackson show but i really wish you'd get to the santita j page and let's talk about this georgia senate runoff it is of tremendous consequence there is a tie well okay the democrats have a slight edge but this one vote will is the game changer it's the game changer for democrats and for the agenda that we voted for biden to enact in 2020 so let's get to it everybody let people know that they've got to vote tomorrow Call me at 773-763-9278 so you can speak with Greg Palast about his movie, Vigilante. And please go to VigilanteMovie.com so that you can see it. Thanks to Jamie Foxx. A contribution from him will enable all of us to see it without pay for the next couple of days. Everybody in Chicago will have a high of 43 degrees. It will be cloudy. 29 degrees in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Cloudy NFL. The Packers, they broke our hearts yesterday, everybody. 28 to 19 over the Bears. But the Vikings were triumphant over the Jets, 27 to 22. In the NBA, the Kings topped the Bulls, 110 to 101. In the NHL, the Wild were triumphant over the Stars, 6 to 5. And the Islanders, though, they shut out Chicago, 3 to nothing. In the World Cup, FIFA. Oh, my goodness, over in Qatar. USA, well, they, they fell out of the competition, but... They put up a heck of a fight. They're one of the youngest teams in the whole system. And they fell to the Netherlands, everybody, 3-1. to one. But guess what? 
We're going to see what's going to happen in 2026, everybody. Japan will be playing Croatia today. Brazil will be playing South Korea. Special shout-out to Pele. Everyone was worried about his health. He's been battling cancer. Then, indeed, he is the icon of the sport, the icon of the sport, this black man from Brazil. And um, we thank God that he is still hanging in there, pulling for you, Brazil, today, pulling for you in Hawaii, there is a lava that is coming from the Mauna Loa volcano. It's going to be about two miles from a crucial highway on the Big Island. We're praying for them. They're saying that they don't expect to have disruptions, but you never know. There was a power grid attack, everybody. 30,000 customers are still without power in North Carolina, but 40,000 customers had their power shut off. Uh, And it was deliberate, everybody. As it was put in this news report, it was intentional and it was targeted. Mm, what was that about? We will see, everybody. The Senate runoff tomorrow in Georgia. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? We do not know. Former President Trump called the termination of the call for the termination of the Constitution after Matt Taibbi, a brilliant reporter, revealed how uh, Twitter it, apparently executives met and they wanted to suppress a story on Hunter Biden. Now I don't like. Uh, throwing trash uh, at anyone. Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, I don't care. That having been said, when we see these executives from big tech putting their thumbs on the scales when all of us have been in Facebook jail, we've had our Twitter accounts suspended or banned because we've passed along so-called disinformation. Do we have free speech or what? Hmm. I'm going to reach out to Rokana so we can talk about that. So let's get right to it, everybody. 1.85 million people as of Saturday. And they have not even counted the absentee ballots. 1.85 million people in Georgia have voted. People want to get out and vote, but they were restricted from voting. And we've been talking with Transformative Justice Coalition Chair, Attorney Daryl Jones, just about that. He and Attorney Barbara Arnwine are down there. And Attorney Aaron Connolly, who was in, who's been in Arizona, who was in Pennsylvania. We're seeing voter suppression sweep the nation. Remember, the original intent of the republic was not for people to vote. Only propertyed white men were supposed to be able to vote. If you didn't have property and you were a white man, too bad for you. You were not an oligarch, so you were not a monarch, so you were not going to get that land. You have no land, you can't vote. It's part of the part of what makes the American dream so important. We're probably the only industrialized nation where people actually own their homes and the land underneath them. We owned land that makes Americans unique. Think about that, everybody. So as we're becoming a nation of renters, think about that. As as we become a nation of renters and big corporations are buying your house and buying up your neighborhoods, you will not have access to a house and more than that to the land underneath the house. What if you strike oil on your land? On your little patch of grass? Yeah. Well, you won't have access to it. You're a renter. Think about that. Greg Pallast. You are joining, of course, Attorney Daryl Jones and Attorney Aaron Connolly. We're so we're so glad, my gang. We're happy to welcome you back to the show, VigilanteMovie.com. Everybody, please go watch it. You are down in Georgia. What are you seeing? Well, um, I was uh, way down in Georgia, Duluth, Georgia. Um, you know where you enter the town with the Confederate flags flying. 
Look, black people here want to vote. They, their, their turnout rate is higher than in the white community. And that what happened was is that two years ago, uh, the Republican Party and, frankly, the Democratic Party were shocked that Biden not only won the state, you had two Democratic senators, one an African-American, Reverend Warnock, one a Jewish-American, uh, John Ossoff, won Georgia because that's what the people wanted. So they said, uh-oh, how did they win? You had a massive, massive mail-in vote. The most people in Georgia voted by mail, and African-Americans in Atlanta put their uh, ballots in mail-in drop boxes. And the, the democracy chose the Democrats. It's not whether you're for or against Democrat, uh, Democrats, it's about democracy. So here, within weeks of Reverend Warnock's victory, they changed the law, knowing he has to run again because he only had a two-year special election term, they took the number of drop boxes in the four Atlanta counties. They cut them, they cut them from 107 to 25. The law, And this is a law that applies only to black Atlanta. I kid you not. It's Jim Crow in your face. They said for every 100,000 voters, 100,000 active voters, you can only have one Ballot drop box for 100,000 active voters. It applied only to the city of Atlanta. And in the south end of Georgia, in outside of Atlanta, they actually increased for the Republican and majority white vote. They actually increased the number of drop boxes. It's runoff. When Warnock won the first time and Ossoff won the first time, two years ago, they had 60 days to run the campaign, and they slashed it to 28. Now, first of all, they slashed it to 28. They not cut it in half to 30 because you need 30 days to register to vote for this election. So they moved the deadline so you can't register the new young voters. Who did the new young voters vote for? They were going to vote for Reverend Warnock. They cut the drop boxes by 77%. They blocked new young voters from registering to vote. And then they took the drop boxes and they said, a drop box, like a mailbox for your ballot. And they said, no, you can't. They have to be inside the building, only open on the few days of early voting. So they're locked away. As we speak, if you have a ballot, you cannot put it in the mail-in drop boxes because they're locked inside the building. And they won't even be open tomorrow on Election Day. So you're going to have to stand in line. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go that fast. Hold on. Oh, yeah, I'm good. No, no, no. Wait, wait, no. Hold on. You mean to tell me you can't drop off your ballot in the drop-off box on Election Day? It is sick. I got to tell you, I'm from Hollywood. I vote in Hollywood Bowl. Daryl and Aaron, just very quickly, because we're going to jump back to you. We're going to jump back to you, uh, Greg. Did you know that, Daryl? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and that's one of the things we've been uh, telling voters down here, that on Election Day, that drop boxes will not be available. They, they have to go either directly to their polling place uh, to vote, or they can go to their local board of elections. But the drop box will not be available uh, for them uh, tomorrow to drop off their ballots. Aaron, what does that sound like to you? got about 30 seconds for you before we pivot back to to. Big- to Greg, because we want people to go to vigilante movie. Now, if that doesn't outrage you, I don't know what should. Go to vigilantemovie.com. You don't have to pay for it right now. 
thank you, Jamie Foxx, and and see this movie. Aaron, hello. What is that? Yeah, well, it's it's not surprising, right? And we see the rhetoric about the why these these laws are passed to to reduce access to drop boxes. This this narrative that um, there is this voter fraud epidemic that is clearly not true. And you watch Vigilante and you can get confirmation that that this is a, another big lie that that's going around. But it's not surprising. And we'll see states try to mimic this Georgia restrictions. And we have to be on the ground. We have to be electing county clerks and folks at our local government that push back on these on these types of provisions uh, locally and at the state level. Greg Palast, this is insane. I mean, first of all, they lock the bo- they they take the drop boxes and they lock them away from you. What's the point of having yep. a drop box if I can't drop it off when I am off of work when I get off work? Well, you get, even if you now if you have your ballot, you got to wait in line. Ready for this in Fulton every single polling station, because we looked at the state data, every single polling station in Atlanta is two hours plus waiting time. Outside of Atlanta, the average wait time is roughly 15 minutes. So African-Americans are waiting in line over two hours, and the white uh, Georgians are waiting 15 minutes. Now, why is this happening? Also, you cut the number of early voting days from, in the last runoff, it was 16 voting days. It's been dropped to as little as five early voting days. Now, why is that? Because Reverend Warnock, our senator in Georgia, won the early vote and the mail-in vote by more than two to one. So you know that these laws, they cut the days so short that the counties didn't have time to print the ballots, get them to you, get them back in the November election. Because they saw that Warnock won the mail-in vote by more than two to one, by almost a half a million vote margin. And that's what put him in office, because he only won uh, altogether by less than 100,000 votes. But it was all from mail-in voting. So they, they've now cut, made it so difficult to mail in your ballot that in November, the number of mail-in ballots dropped by 83%. They eliminated virtually the, the Atlanta Vote. It dropped by 83%, and now in this runoff, we're looking so far, there have only been 140,000 ballots returned on mail-in voting for the runoff. That's 2% of the electorate. We've had over a 90% drop in mail-in ballots. Why? Because the mail-in ballots were running more than 2 to 1 for Reverend Warnock. So he said, well, you can't mail in your ballot. So you're going to have to wait if you're in Atlanta. In other words, if you're African-American, let's be blunt about it. You're going to wait more than two hours. Even if you have the ballot in your hand, you can't walk like I can in California to the front of the line. Just stick your ballot in the box. They're not going to allow you to do this. This is Jim Crow in your face. A 90-plus percent drop in mail-in voting, which was overwhelmingly for Warnock, overwhelmingly from the African-American communities. This is... Jim Crow, I, I just keep saying it. So, by the way, go and see this film, Vigilante, George's Vote Suppression Hitman, about Brian Kemp and his posse of Jim Crow ballot blockers. Uh, it's, it's entertaining. That's why Jamie Fox is, well, is it's hilarious. It's, 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 and, and, yeah, it's funny. It's 
zone. It's very dark, and if you don't laugh and you don't cry, I'll pay for your therapy. So go to VigilanteMovie.com. You know, this guy, uh, Brian Kemp, the governor, who is just endorsed for president. So get ready for this guy by the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Big business wants this guy, and they only know they can get this guy if they don't allow people of color to vote. And that's the game that they're playing. And in addition, we have this crazy system, which is now uh, really exploded in Georgia and gone to 10 other states, Texas, Arizona, uh, Wisconsin, and where they are saying that any voter can challenge another voter's right to vote. This law was originally designed by the Ku Klux Klan in 1946. That's the law in Georgia now. 149,000 voters were challenged on their right to vote. Every every single challenger, there have been 88 challenges. Everyone is a Republican operative. And of the 149,000 people challenged, we actually called 800 of them. We went through the list. Almost everyone is either a person of color or a young student voter, including, by the way, my daughter. Um, who's tuned into there. But, and, well, but you know, yeah. let, me, let, me, let me ask, because you, tomorrow people are going to be voting. People are going to be yeah. voting tomorrow. And they will, and, and many of them will not know that they've been challenged. Many of them will not That's know right. that they have been purged from the voter rolls. My question is, very quickly, Daryl, what do you do if you get to the polls and you've waited two and a half hours and say, wait a minute, it's 6.59 and it closes at 7. And you get in there because you have some people who might actually want you to vote, and you find out that your name is not on the list. What do you do? So you want to be certain uh, if you get inside and your name is not on the list, number one, you do not want to leave the polling place without casting some type of vote, some type of ballot. So at the very minimum, uh, be certain that you cast a provisional ballot uh, if you're in that situation, and that's you know, your, your worst-case scenario, cast the provisional ballot. reason for that is that in order for you to be able to fight to have that provisional ballot counted, your vote counted, you've got to cast a provisional ballot because they cannot go back after you leave and the, and the election day is over. They can't go back and say, okay, now you can vote. You can now go cast, fill out a ballot and, and vote. So you've got to cast that provisional ballot, and then uh, you can begin the process of fighting whatever challenges that's there uh, that has challenged your ability to vote. The challenge is generally based on uh, saying that you've changed your address or, or that there's some other disqualification of your ability to vote. And so if you find out well, when you're there that you've been challenged, and you have your identification and everything with you, which we encourage you to take, so you can show the address that you are where you're supposed to be, that you're living where you're supposed to, where you've said you lived. Present that to the election judge. If you're unsuccessful and they still won't let you vote, ask for the provisional cha- uh, ballot to be able to vote, and then call 866-OUR-VOTE, 866-OUR-VOTE, so that the uh, uh, the, so that you can get assistance in being certain that that's followed through. It's very important that you do that. Before you even go to the to vote tomorrow, Santiago, we encourage people to go to vote.org. 
just to be mm-hmm. certain that they're on the on the rolls. Go to vote.org before you go, and then if you encounter the problem, call 866-OUR-VOTE. Look for the election judge. Look for someone from the election protection if they're there with their shirts on that can help walk you through the process. But do not leave that ballot place, that polling place, without at a minimum casting that provisional ballots into it. You know, Greg Pallast, uh, I'm glad you're going to stay with us because we're going to have DeKalb County Commissioner from Georgia. Uh, Larry Johnson is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. My concern is for people like the young man who uh, Attorney Jones and Attorney Arnwine met, poor, has a felony on his record, but he actually can register to vote. But many of these people are digitally disconnected. They don't have computers. They don't have access to the Internet. Um, and many people don't even have landlines now. So calling one eight six six 866 our vote mm, vote.org, mm, they don't have access. I got about a minute and a half, Greg. What do we do? Because I think that that's why I'm saying your movie to me has legs through 2024 and beyond. The best democracy money can buy. You all need to get that. Because this voter education is a continuous process. It's something that cannot end December 7th. One minute. It belongs to you. Okay. Number one, as uh, Attorney Daryl Jones said, if you have a problem, do not leave the poll. Number one, don't create a big ruckus, but be insistent you want an election judge. And explain them, give them your ID. And I find people who are often insistent get their ballot. The second is if they give you that provisional ballot, you're going to have to take another step. I'm sorry. Sometimes democracy and freedom require a lot of work. You have to contact it. Go into the office of your county clerk. That's where you can show your ID, and then they can get your ballot and say, proof of address, you know, bring all your electric bills and utility bills and whatever you might have. I know this is crazy, but that's what you're going to have to do is go into the county clerk's office in your county and make sure your ballot then gets counted. So, if, you know, if you can do it, call, get some assistance doing this by calling, you know, 866-OUR-VOTE. If you can't, uh, and even if you do, you might have to go into the county office. I'm sorry. You know what? We won the right to vote for Americans when when uh, Martin Luther King and Pete crossed the bridge. You don't have to cross a bridge. You don't have to face police dogs. You don't have to face a hanging rope. But you may have to go to the county clerk's office. That's a half day off, but that's what we got to do sometimes to protect our vote. It's not just your vote. It's everyone. You're voting for your community. You're voting for democracy. It may take some work. Look, they don't want you to vote. They don't want to count your vote. And that's why, because it's so valuable. You don't let, if someone's stealing your car, you don't throw them the keys and say, hey, take it. You fight it. So this is what we have to do. And again, I'm telling, this is for advice for people in Georgia. But it's for everyone in America. And I'll see you at VigilanteMovie.com. Hey, I'm just asking you to see a movie to learn how this works, not only in Georgia, but where you live. And to find out that Brian Kemp, actually, his family brought slavery to Georgia. Oh, oh yeah. Just a minute. <laughs> we can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. 
This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I'm Santita Jackson. want to hear from you today as you hear about the obstacles that have been put before us in voting in voting, in voting, in Georgia, but it's happening in Maine. It's happening all over the country, everybody. You need to open your eyes and see what's happening in Georgia is coming to a city, state, county near you or where you live. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. The original idea at the founding of the republic was not for everyone to vote. That's why there's been a fight. When you really look at America, Reverend Jackson, Reverend Jesse Jackson said, you know what? This is a right wing nation. And if you look at our great mass movements, they've all been left wing movements because the original idea of this nation really was for monarchs and oligarchs to get together. They had a fight. Okay, propertyed white men were the only people who could vote and who counted. Even when you went through the South in times of slavery, when black people outnumbered white people, They didn't count. That's why you have the three-fifths human compromise. We need to know our history so we can understand where we are and make a decision about where we need to go. I'm Santita Jackson. I want you to go to VigilanteMovie.com. Jamie Foxx has made it possible for you to see this movie without cost to you. He's paying for it. Go to VigilanteMovie.com. We've got Greg Palast, brilliant reporter, who, uh, who uncovered the, uh, the theft of the 2000 and 2004 elections. He had to go to BBC and Rolling Stone. They wouldn't even carry him in the New York Times until much later on. Uh, wow. And so we also have attorney Aaron Conley. Can't wait to hear from you again, Aaron. And attorney Daryl Jones, Transformative Justice Coalition. They are in they are in Georgia. Of course, he is their chair. And we welcome to the show uh, Greg Palace. I'm so excited to have Commissioner Larry Johnson. He's out of Chicago, but he moved to Georgia. And he ended up becoming one of the youngest commissioners ever elected to their board of commissioners. Ninety two percent of the vote. This is the man, everybody, Commissioner Le- Commissioner Larry Johnson. And, in fact, he's been acknowledged by our forever first lady, uh, my classmate from Whitney Young Magnet High School, uh, uh, Michelle Obama, uh, as someone who's helped to push health. Got to get you c- together with Dr. Shanina Knight and one of the world's foremost um, infection preventionist. She says that wellness is the goal. I'm going to connect the two of you. That just came across my mind. And indeed, uh, the National Do Association it. of Counties, you are the past president of that. So you've got a really thick resume. What is going on? we got to get everybody to see this movie, Vigilante, not just by tomorrow, but past tomorrow. Um, th- good morning and welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's a joy to be with you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I know you're real busy. Know you're real busy. What's going on? 1.85 million people stood in line to get uh, to vote. Uh, are you seeing oh, yeah. enthusiasm it's, it's, on the ground? Hey. Oh, it's not only enthusiasm. We're, we're like raving fans. We like trying to see Michael Jordan for the last time. <laughs> so we, we we down here. Warnock is uh is is been consistent. He has shown he has character. He's shown people what he can do versus the other opponent. And in DeKalb County alone, we voted historically over 163,000 folks have voted early. That's 76 percent of what voted in the last 
election we just had in November. So the, the fever is here. Uh, folks won't change in seven days. Remember, they, they reduced the amount of days that we can vote. But we came back in seven days and did what it took a couple of weeks to do uh, a couple of, you know, during the November election. So we out here. We came out in the rain, uh, Santita, on Wednesday. It was raining so hard. People were still lined up around the corner because we do it at our mall because we try to meet people where they live. And they just came out strong. And so we did it. We did a soul to the polls with Warnock, Lynn Whitfield, the actress. I mean, we marched across the street with a brass band. And we had the highest Sunday turnout ever in, in the cab. And, and we just turned it out in our, in our area. So we're excited. Uh, we got our 48-hour strategy going on right now. Uh, we're hitting the corners. We got our ponchos on. It's raining. It's supposed to start raining. But our people are not deterred. What is your role as a county commissioner in voting? Do you have a role? Our role is, have a role? Well, we fund the elections. And so I, was, I had a chance to run the elections last time in terms of funding and the committee work that we did. And so we run the elections and we just fund them. And we have an independent board from us, but we make sure that they have all the information and things that they need uh, for them to have the tools. We, we've increased how many positions. And we told our elections folks that this is not a two and four year event. You got to have an election, I mean, funded all year round. So now we're moving to doing the experience all year round with civic engagement outreach uh, to our communities. And so it's, it's going to be a very different process going forward. You know, and I think that's where Vigilante Movie comes in. I think this, these, uh, these votercades, these motorcades that the Transformative Justice Coalition uh, have done, that's where they come into play. I mean, Erin Connolly knocking on doors. She's one of the top political strategists and organizers in the country. It's important for us to do voter education all the time. Having grown up in Operation Breadbasket, Operation Push, and Rainbow Push, registering voters... Educating voters is something, commissioner, that you have to do all the time. And maybe coming out of Chicago, because we saw that, because, you know, that's you got the Bears, you got the White Sox, the Cubs, and you got politics. <laughs> you know, this is, what, this, is what we, this is how we get down in Chicago. And, you know, having grown up with your family, having worked with the great Congressman, Mayor, uh, Congressman Ralph Metcalf, that political engagement is something you have to teach people how to be engaged. You have to teach people what their rights are. How yes, can we, how can we move forward? Your, it's in your DNA. You got to start in head start mm-hmm. with this uh, understanding of the votes and where we are and how critical it is because it impacts all our life. It impacts. I tell people all the time as the County commissioner, I set your curfew. I put your sales tax on your candy I even said how many seconds you get to cross the street. I decide where the parks are, the trails are. I do the potholes, the street dogs. I set the budget for uh, uh, police and fire. So you got to really start with basically where the rubber meets the road, which is uh, the, what you call county-level government. And a lot of folks skip that and just think it's the president. And I said, you can't see them every day. But you see your county commissioner at the, at the Dollar General at the Macy's, at the grocery store. So it is impaired. It's built in. And I started so early that now i got generations since I've been in office 20 years. i got people that still remember me back then. And now they come out and say, thank you, Commissioner, for helping us in understanding what 
the process is and what we need to be doing. So it, it starts right now. It's an experience. I made mine and when I over the elections two years ago, I said this is going to become an experience. Like when you go to the ball game, you don't just go see the football game. You see everything around there from movies to food to interactions. You got to make it an experience. And especially if it's an intergenerational thing as well. So that's why I push it down here in DeKalb. Mm, you know, we're talking with Georgia DeKalb County Commissioner Larry Johnson. He's from Chicago, but he they got him down in Atlanta, and we're so glad that he's down there in DeKalb County. Uh, talking to us about voting. I mean, Greg Pallast, of course, this movie, I've been trying to get the two of you together. You were on Keep Up Alive together yesterday. You will. Um, I mean, because people need to see this movie even beyond tomorrow, Greg. Uh, we're gonna, do you have a question for the, for, the, for the county commissioner? Uh, we are going, I'm going to, commissioner, I'm going to get together with you tomorrow during the voting. When you have a moment, we're going to get you on camera. But I do want people to go to VigilanteMovie.com so you know what people are up against here. You know, yesterday I was down at the Reverend Reginald Jackson's church down in Coffee County. Uh, again, you go into the county greeted by a Confederate flag and met with uh, Douglas City Commissioner Counselor um, Olivia Pierce. She was arrested by Brian Kemp for supposedly vote interference. She's the first black woman ever elected to the city council down there in this southern Georgia town. And so he had her arrested for vote interference. As city councilor, she had responded to, to written formal requests from, pe- from disabled people to help them uh, vote, which is part of her job. He had her, Brian Kemp had her arrested. She was facing five years in prison. And, you know, yesterday I heard uh, we had the white police chief say to Brian Kemp, how dare you come in here? You are arresting and harassing our finest citizens. She had a stand trial. She could have gone to prison for five years. But the local people said that's our commissioner within minutes. They threw out these charges. The jury said, this is crazy. But this is the type of intimidation that African-American voters and African-American leaders face in Georgia. They face jail time. You know that Brian Kemp, he also arrested the uh, 10 members of the Quitman School Board in southern Georgia. This is in the film. You'll get to meet Olivia Pearson. You'll get to meet these people from the Quitman School Board. Ten African-Americans were elected to the school board. They arrested them for supposed vote interference. Of course, the charges were thrown out. But these people went through years of legal terror created by Brian Kemp when he was running the vote as secretary of state. And again, the charges thrown out, but it's this massive intimidation campaign. And one of the the ten uh, school board members, all African-American, had lupus and the stress literally her father said brian kemp killed my daughter absolutely she died and from this stress of being charged with a felony crime two of them have phds but they're african-american so hey phd forget it you're 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 in handcuffs they paraded them in orange suits like they were terrorists at guantanamo Oh, well, let's see, Leonardo, let me tell you something. When you go to South Africa, and quite frankly, coming out of the Civil Rights Movement, and I know you can attest to this, uh, Commissioner Johnson, 
if you have not been arrested, if you have not been surveilled, people people look at you out the corner of their eye and say, who are you? So no, 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 no. That is a badge of honor, Attorney Jones and Attorney Connolly, that they are walked. Because, you know, it's not about your degree. It's about your pedigree. There is an old joke. Remember this truly tasteless jokes book? They said, what is a black Ph.D. nuclear physicist Nobel Prize winner? The N-word. Hello. Sorry. Don't be fooled. Now, I'm saying I haven't internalized that. But I'm very clear. But guess what? It counts for white folks, too. See, that's part of the that's part of the conceit and the deceit of this moment that white people do not know, Aaron, that this matters to them. And I want you to speak to that, Aaron. But I also want to pivot back to the commissioner, because I want to know what it will look like to have a to have a Senator Warnock or Senator Walker. But first, you, Aaron, I mean, this is this is a fight that that's for everybody. This is a fight for everybody, and I'm glad we're talking about the fact that it doesn't end on Election Day. And that, as an organizer, as um, everyone is on this call, we know that we can't stop engaging our community. These aren't just voters. This is our community. This is our, our national community. And in every state, every county, every town, uh, the best elected officials, the best folks in government are just like the commissioner talking to folks out in the community, having town halls, extending dialogue, and making sure that we're getting feedback the whole year, not just during GOTV, not just when the direct mail goes out, not just when you're asking for money. And that's how we build trust within the system. Folks in America have the lowest trust in government and our elected officials that we've ever seen. The way we combat that, the way we build back our trust, is to keep those conversations going and actually listen, engage folks, have town halls. One thing that is so disappointing about folks like Kirsten Cinema is that she has less town halls and engagement with voters than even Jeff Flake, who was a Republican. And when you stop listening to the people, they notice. They detach from you, they distrust you, and we're going to see her, for example, have a a strong Democratic primary for her Senate race when she's up for re-election. You have to follow through on the promises you're making and at least continue the conversation and say, this is what's going on. People do want to be engaged, but they don't want to hear empty promises. They don't want to make calls to your office and never get any response, right? It just dilutes the trust that's already limited. So we that's have been to diluted. Job of how uh, empower our, our folks that we support, right? We have to show mm-hmm. up and say, I'm going to help you with this town hall. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to hit those doors and make sure that um, these new voters uh, are thanked for their vote. We have to, to continue that postcard process to voters outside of GOTV time. Otherwise, it feels like a transactional relationship where folks aren't invested the same way that the insiders are. And that's not working. We have to do a better job. And we do. Many of us do. Uh, We just have to expand it. Well, you know, Commissioner Johnson, you are one of the most trusted, really, and uh, one of the most trusted elected officials in the United States. I mean, first race you ran 92%, and you continually win re-election by these landslide victories. Now, we're going to have a tighter than this race. 
Okay, so I want to know, and reminding people to go to VigilanteMovie.com, VigilanteMovie.com, you can see it without cost. I'm going to give you a chance to wrap things up for us, Greg Palast. But I want to speak to you, because you're down on the ground there in Georgia, in DeKalb County. Mm -hmm. Senator Warnock, Senator Walker, what will life be like with Senator Walker? As you, if you can project out, and what would life be like? What difference would a hey? I mean, I, th- this is everybody's talking about this race because we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. <laughs> right, that's right, that's right. I would say this: my grandmother taught me a long time ago. She said, "You don't want to leave folks eating one debris and have them wondering where you stand, where you are, and, and all of that." And and send the word not does not have us eating Wonder Bread because he has delivered. That's the difference between the other opponent and Senator Warnock. He's delivered on a $35 cap on insulin. You know how that's going to help a lot of people in terms of health care and wellness in their communities? Then he's helped us with the uh, what you would call infrastructure. $1.3 trillion that he voted on is going to equal this playing field around the country in underserved communities. He's also going to really focus on just trying to make sure that Head Start is funded, continuously being funded uh, to make a difference in our community. And the other guy has not done anything. So you got a track record of results you can see versus someone who's talked about, you know, vampires and werewolves, and you don't need that. And so it's very clear with the character that we have in Warnock and what he has delivered on uh, Georgia's end. I mean, right now, this guy's created so much enthusiasm on the ground, just in DeKalb, Fulton, Gwinnett, and Cobb, the four largest counties, that they have voted overwhelmingly for the first time in record numbers during the runoff. So that's not by accident. And with all the barriers that was put in place, uh, our folks still came out, and they're going to come out tomorrow, Tuesday, in the rain, if it rains. And so, and school is out tomorrow, too, so it's going to really be good because we got the young people that can hang out with us, too. And so we're going to make this an intergenerational event and get people out. But that's the difference. It's about action, not rhetoric. It's about what you've seen, the experience, and he's also a pastor. When you have to uh, run a flock or have a flock that you're over and you're in historically black churches where Martin Luther King was, it's in your DNA to be a people person, an organizer, to care about people. And that's what Warnock brings to the table. And he doesn't have to uh, make it up because we see it every day. So it's very clear on who we need to have in the U.S. Senate right now. Very quickly, what about ID? Because we understand, you know, most of the black colleges are private colleges, but their ID cannot be used when they need to go vote. If you're at a public university, public college, you can use that ID. What happens to our young people who get to the polls and, you know, you know, they might not have the proper ID? What should they do? Well, well, we tell them now in the cab, we can make an ID up for you. And so we got the machines and everything right there that you can get an ID on, on the spot uh, to vote in our community. But we tell them folks to bring your driver's license as well. Bring everything you got to have to make it happen. And thank goodness we had that break. And that's what helped our, helped our numbers with young people because a lot of them voted early. Instead of doing the mail-in ballot and all that, we say go to the polls while you're here for the break. That's why DeKalb County, we had we were one of the few counties that have Saturday voting. We had Saturday and Sunday voting last week. So we started a day early than, we, than you had to have in, uh, in terms of weekend voting. 
So we had a lot of grandparents. I had one grandparent told her she went and got her granddaughter and took her to the polls and then came out with me and hung out on the corner to wave a Warnock sign. I mean, that was powerful. I said two mm-hmm. generations, three generations who got out to vote. She said, I had to go do it after I heard what Newt Gingrich said. I said, wow, that's what the enthusiasm is on the ground. Mm. You know what I'm going to do around, Robin, before we go? Attorney Daryl Jones, you are down the, down there, Transformative Justice Coalition. I've got about, I've got less than a minute for you. But give us some helpful hints. What do you want to see happen today and tomorrow? Look, today and tomorrow, the first thing I want everybody that's in Georgia to do uh, is to go to vote.org and check on your voting status and be certain that mm-hmm. you're on the vote. Once you've gone to vote.org and you and you verify that you're on the rolls, go to My Voter Page Georgia. If you have any questions, My Voter Page Georgia. Be certain you know you're going to your correct polling place to cast your ballot. Once you go there and cast your ballot, if you run into any issues, any problems, call 866 our vote 866-OUR-VOTE. After you've cast your ballot, don't stop there. If you're forced to cast a provisional ballot, cast that provisional ballot. After you've done that, you can go back to BallotTracks.com, BallotTracks.com, to track the ballot to be certain that it's received and that it has been counted. That's what we need you to do. And and most importantly, call everybody that you know and be certain that they go out to cast their vote, get their vote on. This is the time to do it right now. Tuesday is it. Call, email, text, use your Instagram account, whatever you have. Get everybody that's available to vote in the state of Georgia. Get them out to the polls, and let's get this done, Georgia, the second time around. And you know what? And do what Aaron Connolly and you and Barbara Arnwine do. Knock on these doors. Stand on the corner like Commissioner Johnson does. Let people know it's time to vote. We can see Vigilante Movie. Talk to us at the final two minutes belong to you, Greg Pallast. Well, first of all, if you're listening in Wisconsin, Illinois, and uh, Minneapolis, uh, WCPT and its affiliates, this is about you. you. It ain't just people down in Georgia. Let me tell you something. If you see Vigilante Movie, it's called Vigilante Georgia's Vote Suppression Hitman. But as Martin Sheen, our producer, says when he gets on, by the way, it's narrated by the wonderful Rosario Dawson. Yes. When he comes on, he says, look, the vote suppression is coming to a state near you. And I got to tell you that these vote suppression tricks, the attacks on the voter rolls, how does that happen? That takes money. Vote suppression ain't cheap, Santita. And the money comes from Wisconsin billionaires, the Bradley family. They shut down the – they were the biggest employer in Milwaukee. They shut down all those uh, manufacturing plants, and they took the $2 billion that they made from that, and they put it into – they are the big funders of these vote uh, suppressive attacks on voter rolls. They are coming up with the hit list. We find – uh, for example, well, wait, you, you've the had the Koch brothers, you've had this family. The oligarchs yes. have an investment in us not voting. Why? 30 seconds. That's 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 right, because you know what? If if you if you elect Herschel Walker, in effect, you are now putting Mitch McConnell uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, the white, the 
ultra-right operator out of Kentucky in charge. It affects you in Chicago. It affects you in Milwaukee. And the tricks that they try in Georgia is coming to a state near you. For example, the massive voter roll purges that they had in Georgia have been taken to Wisconsin. Don't think that that didn't affect the race that cost or that we lost the uh, uh, Mandela Barnes as a senator. So it is mm-hmm. your future on the line. It's a movie. Jamie Foxx will pay for your ticket, but you pay for your popcorn. <laughs> you will have some laughs and you'll have some tears. 